This is the Beers of Business with your hosts, Al Beard and Beard One. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for joining us here on the Beards of Business. My name is Dana Bluen, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, L Beard, aka Suburban Beard, aka Josh. Uh, I'm a business expert. I've been running and starting businesses since the 1990s, on and off, and I have a small business that I run here in Thailand. My good friend Josh, we're actually partnering on a new venture. I'll say that's actually a growth of his business. So that's one of the things that we're going to be looking at how we work in that particular realm. So, Josh, why don't you talk to us about what your business is and what you do for those people who don't know? So, is full-time reseller, yeah, uh, and also at this point a full-time YouTuber. Uh, but uh, everything Dana and I will be focusing on is going to be on my reselling business. Uh, I resell on multiple platforms. Uh, I do everything from, you know, VHS tapes, believe it or not, to uh, new products. VHS. Right? <laughs> Listen, people still want it. I still provide it. <laughs> it's providing a service. You're giving <laughs> yeah. away an Armageddon uh, VHS. I am. I am in my contest. It's perfect, right? So <laughs> it, fits the, it fits the mold, but it's the, uh, it, you know, it, it goes with, back to that business acumen, right? The You find a need and fulfill it, right? Yeah. So you're finding a niche and you're filling it. Yeah. And so I, I work off that, but um, with that business, you know, again, finding a lot of the products that I've been focusing my business on is always going to be harder. So I want to grow in a different avenue, finding another niche. And well, uh, the easiest way to say it is replenishables. Yeah, it is the new growth area that I'm focusing on for my business. And, and I, I truly believe being a reseller, that's the only way to truly increase growth within your business. Now, one of the things that I think we should talk about, and one of the things that I think is fair to say, like a lot of people need to think about is, okay, you maybe you have a small business or a micro business, or you've just kind of gone full time from your side hustle into a business. You do have to plan about how big you want it to get. Not everyone wants a, a huge business, which is, is the stage I'm at in my career as well Is I've had other businesses where the the point was to grow it as big as possible because you had investor money and then you need to find an exit either through a liquidity event an ipo something like that and that's not the the headspace i'm in anymore either you know i'm running my haberdashery and i i plan very very strictly for focus for growth and how do i want to go about that so what made you decide that you want to grow the business more than where it's at now. And what made you decide that replenishables are the way to go? So I obviously, you know, I mean, well, I guess I shouldn't say obviously, but my concept of getting into it, I've seen what I've done part-time as a, yeah. even not even a side hustle just for fun, right? Like flipping things on eBay and yeah. uh, Amazon and stuff like that. And the initial growth came fast. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, with this, let's take it and drop it into something else. And, you know, in complete honesty, I did too much too quick and got in pretty much over my head in that sense. And I, it wasn't too much too quick. Let me rephrase it. I guess it's probably, I didn't do the research on what I was buying in a sense, okay. as far as like the long-term replenishables and the return on investment. So most of my business, my return on investment is, you know, unheard of in any business, right? It's a hundred to 200% return on investment. It, which is crazy, right? Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, so jumping into that and being like, you know, 
switch and be like, okay, this is a, you know, a 10% return on investment. And there's only so many of them selling. It's not enough of them selling and the return on investment isn't big enough. And so I wasn't getting, getting the same amount back that I was used to with the rest of my business and it hit fast and hard. So <laughs> scaled back. Painful. Yeah. Especially I know you were working with limited cash flow when you started out because right. side, uh, this was really a side hustle for you when you started years ago. Even when we first met, you were doing eBay uh, pretty consistently, but never for ser never seriously. No, it, it was one of those things like, oh, hey, we're going on vacation this summer. So, you know, through March and April, I, you know, put a bunch of stuff together, find a few things, launch them off and then just, you know, yeah. keep that money to the side for extra vacation money. You know, yeah, it's always what it was. And then it turned into a full-time job for you. And now you're sort of managing, okay, where do I want those? Where do I want that to take place? Where do I want that growth to happen? Exactly. And one of the things that you have to look at in business, one of the things that you really have to, to go after is, okay, what are my margins? Like you said, right now, you've got some pretty good margins. You're coming to Thailand to source for other items that are, are good margins. Where do you spend some of that profit on additional growth? How big do you want to get? And and what's what are your new margins going to look like after you figure out what what type of support or what type of resources you need to put in place for that? So the biggest well, and that goes back still to the sourcing side of it, right? Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> as opposed to kind of like I did before, right? So what I was purchasing in bulk was. Um, liquidation, right? Mm -hmm. So Amazon returns, Amazon overstock, um, Home Depot returns, things like that, things that do sell, but again, a lower investment. And so it's investing the right amount of money into what I'm trying to find. Mm -hmm. And so then trying to actually do something with it. <laughs> and excuse me, I don't want sorry. <laughs> Keep feeling about the coffee. morning for me. It's evening for Josh. I'm drinking coffee. Josh is drinking some <laughs> bourbon. Right? <laughs> I wish it was uh lemonade, so <laughs> parched today. But um, so yeah, but basically it's finding the right items that I can take. I don't mind a low return on investment. I think what Walmart's one percent, right? Mm -hmm. And they're doing great, you know. So <laughs> well, not everything's one percent, and no. Walmart is uh having having been in some meetings with Walmart in the past, you know, they're very, very, very harsh on like, all right we're going to buy this. This is the price you need to get. And yeah. because they do so much volume, they can demand that. Right. You know, but again, they do have a lot of overhead. People don't understand that there, there's quite a bit of overhead for Walmart. You know, they're, they're not making crazy money on every item, but there, there are items that offset, right? It's not like of 1% course. across the board. Of course. I hate no. to imagine the items that they're making like half a percent on, you know, I know. Right. It's <laughs> like, so scary but like I, I remember reading somewhere that they have like a billion skews or something crazy it is something out, out of control like that because they the the stuff i know with them to where they'd go tell a guy a company like i actually know the person this happened to so they literally went in and he sold those little tchotchke toys you get at the cash out register right like the little yeah. toys that are designed to be there for the kids yeah and they said Mom, hey I no i need this okay yeah they're like i need this many of these and we'll pay this price. And he's like, okay. And it was a, it made sense to him. So he canceled all his other clients mm -hmm. when he was ready to deliver. They said, oh, we're only going to pay this. Well, 
he couldn't afford that. He'd literally lose everything he had and he had no other clients to fall back on. They're like, okay, well, we'll buy your company then. Yeah, that some companies do that. I mean, I've seen that in the startup world. We see that quite a bit with uh, corporate incubators or corporate accelerators where they'll actually buy out. They'll invest in a company and then steer them in a direction that devalues them so they can buy them. Right. And then integrate their tech. Unfortunately, I've seen this in telecom quite a bit. They'll take that. They'll integrate that tech into their company or one of their platforms, one of their products in some other way. So. You know, it's, it's very common, very common indeed, and uh, not not the greatest thing. Right. Now, I, I do know he didn't lose in a sense. You know, they he actually was offered a fair price for the business. So, mm. you know, but listen, I'm, I'm not looking, you know, to be like, oh, hey, I want to sell off my reselling business. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, at the like, same time, I mean, it, it, I've, I've never heard of a reselling business getting acquired in that manner. Not like that. No, no. Maybe if you had replenishable products that you own the supply on that you were exclusive on, then yes, that would be a possibility, but not, not when you're selling VHS tapes and $300 boom boxes, Josh. Right. No, exactly. You know, and that, and that's the point of that side of it, you know, and that's, it's the, I know there's always money to be made in something, Yeah. you know, and it's, then it's just coming down to finding this something. I mean, the easiest way to explain, you know, like that, like I've told you before, the, um, Chris from daily refinement, you know, the, the unicorn 10 by 10 by 10, 10 items that sell 10 times a day for a $10 net profit, thousand dollars a day, net profit done easy. That's horrible, but I think you, you probably have a better to me. I mean, that it sounds great and it's a catchy thing to say, right? 10 by 10 by 10. It sounds good. Um, how coming from the startup world, though, I've strongly become of the opinion that I don't want to chase unicorns anymore. I don't want to hunt unicorns. So I, I would say, all right, if ten by ten by ten, you have to count on every one of those ten items hitting perfectly every day, three hundred sixty-five days a year to hit that goal. If you had twenty, thirty items that were replenishable that sold through at a slightly lower rate, but you had varying margins on you could potentially get much closer to that goal of a thousand dollars a day well and that's that's where i think i can exceed that hundred dollars a day because i the other way i look at it is like you know it takes time to build it obviously right but a yeah. hundred replenishable items mm-hmm. i mean listen toilet paper is a replenishable item right like now i'm not going to start my own manufacturing of toilet paper right and there's plenty of companies out there that you can resell on your own things like that but finding 10 items that i can either make my own with their own skew, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that type of thing. And even if 50 sell a day, you know, but in keeping close to that $10 net profit, like I, I think it's not thing. I know I could make more than the 10 by 10 by 10 rule. You know, the 10 by 10 by 10 rule is always, it, it's just that joke. Again, it's catchy, you know, but it's that side of like, Oh, I don't have to work anymore. I have 10 items to sell 10 times a day, you know, until someone else comes and sells them for $5 less than you. <laughs> And, and like you said, if if what you're actually looking at is that you are looking to make that thousand dollars, you know, I think 20, 30, 40 items, a hundred might become sort of unbearable to, to deal with. I know one of your growth strategies is that you're looking at expanding your storage facility. Mm-hmm. You, you work out of your garage. You've got kind of this funky thing going on behind you. Right. And you're looking to expand into a new shed. But one of the other things I think we should talk about uh, about expansion, especially like with your expansion, is 
start to document your processes. This is one of the things I'm really big on across the board is, okay, what do you do every day that is repeatable that you can ensure that you have consistency with? And I'm big on consistency across everything I do. Um, I'm drinking my morning coffee right now. Every day my coffee is exactly the same because I believe in consistency, right? I measure out, you know, how much coffee I'm going to use. I, you know, preheat my French press. I measure out exactly how much water. I bloom it for the same amount of time. I work off a, off of a timer, you know, I pour it, whatever. It's, it's consistent every day. And the same thing with business, right? How am I going to source this every day, this fabric that I'm going to use? Is this going to be a replenishable item or no? I have that all documented. So as I work through, if I want to grow, one of the items that you're bringing back is actually tote bags that my haberdashery makes. That's one of our only repeatable items. So the hash, and they're always different because we only buy limited runs of the denim that we make them with. So I say, okay, I can make this same bag with these types of denim, XXXX. They're all strong enough to make this bag. So I know as long as I can get denims in these weights, these strengths from certain manufacturers, I can continue to make this. So it's not always going to be the same blue. It's not always going to be the same brown, but they're, they're limited items. So that right. works. If I wanted to grow the haberdashery business and say, all right, I want to produce 10,000 bags next year or a month, you know, 10,000 bags a month, the same process doesn't work. I need to find a fabric supplier that is now consistent, can give me that quality in the same color denim. And even you know, if every if, month. It, right. And even if it's the, you know, even if it's a different one in a sense, right? So you have, you know, these 3,000 will be the same, hmm. you know, and, and no, you have to change it based on that, you know, if you can't find the exact same and yep. <laughs> everything else. But that's where, that's where I, I say the hundred items is just because especially right now is I can research all day and see what sells, see what it's going for and stuff like that. But especially like you get into the, the Amazon game with it, even if I'm starting my own SKU and I put in my own UPC code for that item yeah. that I'm sending in, no one knows that item, mm -hmm. right? Like that item isn't trending. That item isn't selling yet anything. It's an item I'm putting into there as opposed to, you know, like here, I, I've got, a, a Zigbee light switch, Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. I scan this UPC. I know how many are selling on Amazon. I know how many other people are selling them on Amazon. I know exactly yeah. what's happening there. And that's the big difference with that to where starting on your own can be harder with mm -hmm. that because you need to trend. You need to make sure you're paying for advertising and stuff like that, you know? Now, but one I, of the other things is that if I brought this up with specifically with the bags, I think it gets here a hundred items. If I'm doing 10,000 a month now, I can't touch every bag, right? And that becomes the challenge, right? That's what differentiates. When I talked about I'm not interested in the growth side, I don't need to worry about that. If you're doing 100 items, can you now touch every item, every skew, and get it out there? See, if, if these items I'm getting, like your bags are different than the items we've been sourcing, Right. So the bags are an on hand item that, you know, I, I would sell just on a market, you know, be it Etsy, eBay. No, um, no, no, you would. But I'm saying if me as a haberdashery, if I decided to put to do 10,000 a month because I made a deal, I no longer have the option to touch every bag. Everything gets outsourced. I got gotcha. you. So the question to you is with 100 items, can you still manage 100 items by yourself or then do you need to hire help? 
not at a hundred items. There's no way I, I do right, right now on Amazon. It's because the way I like right now with Amazon, I do uh, retail arbitrage. Okay. I go to stores, scan the items. If it has a good sell through rate and I'm happy with, you know, the margins and everything else, I bring it home. I box it up. I send it to Amazon. I'm done. Okay. So the only part I manage then is on, you know, the software side, basically the website, the seller mm -hmm. website. And I can go in and see, you know, like, well, that's weird. I haven't sold any. What's going on? And I can see, oh, these two people dropped their price 50% below mine. But that also gives me the advantage of that where I can go in, see how many they have left mm -hmm. and either wait it out or lower my price too and refigure out my numbers. Okay. Um, once you get over that though, there is additional software that you can buy that can help you manage that. So when you scan an item and put it in, you can put the minimum you're willing to sell it for, um, the maximum, which is kind of a weird one, but you know, it's in there. Yeah. Um, and you, you can base it off of trends and stuff like that. So easiest example is last year in February, I sent in about a thousand items all related to the Christmas season, extension cords, ornaments, everything all mm -hmm. summer. People were dropping their prices. I didn't touch it. And then as soon as November 1st hit, I sold out of all of it. <laughs> so, so you sent it, so it, it made it through. Now, does that cost you money to run that through the whole season with them? After 12 months, it does. Okay. So if there's anything left over come January, all I would do is pull it out. And then I just hang on to it in a box. Basically, I'd call it Christmas inventory and then wait till later in the summer and send it back in once I had, or I should say February, March, once I had more, because mm -hmm. I'll be doing that again. It's like, so I, that's where a hundred isn't out of control. Once you get over that, you have to pay for one of these companies or a software company that helps you manage the web, the, the Amazon seller site, because it will get overwhelming. You know, I definitely can imagine. I mean, at a hundred items, man, even a hundred items, I think managing all that, I, I would think to me, 20, 30, 40 is still going to be a lot of work. And where's that trade-off come in? Right. When do you need, when right. is paying someone saving you time versus, jumping in and actually you know buying you know jumping in and and actually paying and uh, doing it yourself so what what's that trade-off because it can also be tedious right if you start doing it yourself and you're the only one that's going to be hard see with with ebay it can get overwhelming because that's where i was looking at the other direction with as growing on ebay because e replenishable sell just as well on ebay and when you get to that next level with ebay that's where you know i talked with some other people stuff like that where I get to that point where I have to pay someone and it probably wouldn't be the sourcing side because I don't trust anybody else to source for me, <laughs> but is taking photos, putting the listing up, handling the shipping, you know, the, like those types of avenues of somebody for each specific role yeah. in that. But well, that's where Am Am this Thailand trip, I'll essentially be sourcing your goods in Thailand. Right. You know, so I don't, like, well, that's what we're doing. Now you don't trust me. What's going on? Right. That's why I have to fly out there. Listen, <laughs> no, but it's, it's just that like, I, I should rephrase probably more for eBay, right? It, it, the sourcing of, of this you know, and that. I'm not, I'm not sourcing your, um, my boom boxes, my VHS yeah, boom boxes. I get, I can get some of those rare eight track tapes, bro. <laughs> and you, you would probably sell the hell out of them too. I did. Yeah. I have, <laughs> but it's the like Amazon, to me, a lot of people, I think they're over dramatic about it. To me, Amazon is easy because it goes into exactly like you said, like there's a strict process you follow with Amazon. This is how yeah, the item has to be. On everything. Yeah. Like this is how the item has to be. This is how it has to be sent in. This is how it has to go. You can't do this, 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 you know, you need to make sure you're ready for everything else.
and it's you know there's rules in place for all of it so it's a very simple process that's where you know i i think getting a thousand items on amazon would be easy you know as crazy as it sounds because amazon once it's in everything else is automated once it's in it's in it's in I, everything else because when you're doing fba which is fulfilled by amazon mm -hmm. you do the process of check you know getting all the products scanned in everything else you send it in a box they get it they check it all in uh, they let you know if there's a different something different between the, what you said was in there and what they got, that type of stuff, right? Okay. Uh, and then they sell it. They handle the customer service. They handle the returns. They handle everything else, and that's it. The part uh, you have to manage, this is where it can get overwhelming, and that's where the software comes in, where it's basically set up to, again, follow a set of rules to do what needs to happen with each product. So like product A, you know, it should be sold at this price. This is the okay. price I want it at. I would go down to this price. If competition is rough and I need to lower the price, but it'll stop there. It won't lower that price anymore for me. Right now, since I only have about 120 SKUs, sorry, my cat is. <laughs> um, since I only have 120 SKUs in there right now, it's easy to manage, but I go through them all. You know, like it, it, while I'm having my morning coffee sitting for a minute, I usually do about once a week, I go through and check where my prices are at. But sitting there and going through a thousand items would get very overwhelming, right? So. That would be a lot, right? A thousand. Imagine going a thousand items in the morning with your coffee. Right, like sitting there clicking back and forth. Like I can scroll through online, but the phone's easier on some stuff. The way they have the app set up. So, but yeah, it's but that's where like if I can find a hundred replenishables, that's mm -hmm. easy for me. And you know, there's still the side of watching them tracking and learning the software side. But that's what I spent most of the year doing, right? So. That's where you're at right now with it. Yeah. And that's why I'm so excited about the the idea of like what we're finding out there, what you're finding, I should say, out there, you know? I mean, besides the I obvious. Some of our, our interesting stuff here that we've been talking about, maybe I'll, I'll open one of these up on the live. Right. Give it a uh, chat. Hey, we got a Curious Beer in the uh, live chat. How you doing, Curious Beer? Thank you for joining us. Hey, Curious Beer, you might not know this. Uh, my name in, so in Thailand, everyone has a nickname. My nickname is Pimi, which means big bear. So how you doing over there? Um, yeah, so I've got some of these inhalers that we've been looking at. You think these are going to be a good market? We're looking at costs and, and what these are going to run us. So I've, I've got a few here, and I don't have the peppermint ones uh, with me. But in It's because you use them more. Plastic, so... We've got some of the traditional ones here. So let me give one of these uh, traditionals a try. Now, see, I'm curious, actually. I forget to add, do any of those have a UPC code? Um, let me see. These two, no. This one does. Okay. Um, and one more does. I'll try one of the ones with the UPC code first. <laughs> give this a shout. See, I, I, I'm just curious, like, you know, because obviously everything's a little different everywhere, right? Especially when you're talking halfway around the world between us. So it's more like an Afrin. So it's a... Uh, you can do shots of it? Yeah, well, it's uh, oil of eucalyptus. So it's just a, a bottle of eucalyptus oil. So this might be one of the ones that you're supposed to rub, like, on your nose, like, on, on your lip, uh, under your nose. Okay. Yeah. Like old school Vic style. Oh, this is 
I'm trying to like unscrew the top. I'm like, why isn't it moving? It's all wrapped in plastic. <laughs> Until it spills everywhere on you. Yeah, right? like, like, oh you the studio smells like people <laughs> for like a month. Let's see. This is a, just an oil-treated table, too, so it's just so great in. Perfect. <laughs> okay, that one's out. It's very uh, medicinal smelling. Okay. Yeah, it's, that's just straight eucalyptus. So, like, the ones I use normally, the ones that are popular out here, have uh, peppermint. I use that quite a bit. And I think we talked about, like, what the retail is on those here. And I'm looking into the wholesale side on that. And they're probably going to want, like, uh, like an order of, like, a thousand pieces. But they're so tiny, you know? Right. Oh, and that's okay. the thing that I've been excited about. Everything we're looking at is smaller or items that can be shipped smaller, right? Yeah. Like. We're not looking into motorcycles or <laughs> you could look into e-bike, like right? electric bikes. <clears throat> so actually motorcycle wise, you know, Honda makes the majority of their motorcycles for the Asian market in Thailand. Now what you could look into though is parts. Yeah, part, especially like um Parts could be interesting. Very heavy stuff, though. I mean, but if it we're shipping pallets back, right? They, it you know, can't like you know chains are great, big money, right? Like I found a, it wasn't used, but it was like an open box chain that someone you could tell had sitting on a shelf in their garage for like you know fifteen years. But really? you know, I had bought a guy's garage out basically all the stuff he had in there for twenty five bucks, mm. and I made a good amount of money on. But the chain itself, I sold for like hundred and twenty bucks. You know, just some motocross chain that somebody wanted. And <laughs> when I got my first house in Rhode Island, the previous owner had left eight or nine junked motorcycles in the garage. Wow. Like on the side of the garage, in the garage. And uh, I didn't want to deal with it. So one of my friends is a motorcycle mechanic. Him and uh, his friend came by and they looked at it all. And I was like, do you guys want it? Like, can you just, if you want it, can you take it? And he's like, oh, we might be able to sell some of these parts. It'll take us like maybe a year or two to, to get through and sell them online. But, you know, I remember him telling me uh, some of the chains that were in good condition were actually things that they could sell like pretty quick for decent yeah. money. But like actually ripping down old motorcycles for parts is, is quite difficult. Right. That, that's why those places like, you know, up by in Cleveland here, they have pull apart, yeah. which instead of taking all the pieces off, right, they just set the cars out there on blocks and you come in. Buy, take the part out of the car yourself and then pay for it on your way out. Uh, it's a, such a great business model, right? It you is. Do all my labor. You know, and they, they buy junk cars. One. Oh, what's that this one? has got like a tint to it. And this is a uh, traditional Siang pure oil. What's let's, that? Let's give this a shot. Yeah, so the pull apart thing's interesting. It's like a junkyard back east. Yeah, basically. same thing. But it's just cars. Oh, this one has a very nice smell, actually. What is it? Bourbon or? No, it's like uh, some type of very herby scent. Uh, this is a, uh, but it's not as powerful as like those peppermint ones. The peppermint okay. inhalers. That, those are the ones I use, like, especially when I'm working out or something. And, you know, if I'm not feeling good, I'll use that peppermint one. And it actually, like, it's so strong. It gives you like a little pick. Like, oh, my. Woo! There we go. There we go. Yeah, see, I like the actual inhalers. I never like, like, the only time I've ever used, like, an oil like that is, like, in a steam room, right? Like, yeah. put it on the block, let the, the peppermint or the eucalyptus, you know, fill your, your nostrils and lungs and clears out the sinuses. I love These steam rooms. Popular here. I, I mean, I, I've never really used one until 
I got here and I saw it's funny because here you'll see everyone will just like sometimes they'll just stick it in their nose and you'll see people like oh <laughs> and uh you know it, it's interesting to see and I always kind of joked about it but when the peppermint ones came out a few years ago this one brand and I started using it, I was like oh wow that there we go that's that's something interesting and even I'll have an episode dropping on my channel um not not too long from now maybe uh, over two weeks on the weekend with uh, Javier Chuelo is a FMA, uh, FMD MMA fighter uh, for the promotion FMDs. They're welterweight champ. But we actually talked about the inhalers and he was like, dude, at the gyms back in the States, they would kill for these, like use this between rounds just to kind of like pick you up and also give you like a little, like, uh, like, here you go. Boom. Clear your nasals out. Let you breathe a little easier. So, there's definitely interest in that, in that that's, space. Like with my background, that's why I think, you know, sometimes I might do a little better than some of the other people because I'm not afraid to go to a, a local gym. Yeah. Right. And, and pitch it as, you know, this is my product. I can stock these for you if you want them. And, you know, and, and not just like, you know, like a, your, your standard, you know, ballets, which is closed now anyways, but you know, like, <laughs> like go to the actual gyms where fighters well, actually, actually are. One of the heavyweight champ, the UFC heavyweight champ trains out of uh, Strong Style out in Strongsville. Oh, really? Uh, Stipe Miocic. He just beat Daniel Comier a few months ago. Uh, here's another. So this one's the clear version of the same thing. It's a little bit strong, a little bit of peppermint in that one. But yeah, these are not is like the the peppermint ones are like little sticks. They're super clean, much easier to use. Uh, probably I would prefer that myself. See, I like, yeah, the, I, I'm excited to get over and try those the actual inhalers. You yeah. were like you were in love with that peppermint one, man. <laughs> I have like I have two downstairs. Probably the one that's supposed to be in here is downstairs now. But yeah, I use it especially when I'm not feeling great. It, it really helps clears you out. Oh yeah. One of the other things is that uh, we talked about the elephant pants. We joke about it, right? And I just saw like uh, three girls the other day. I was taking a um taking a river taxi back up to uh, the train. I was outsourcing fabric for the haberdashery actually. And one of the things that uh, we came across was this, this, um, these three girls getting off from one of the tours and all three of them were wearing elephant pants. Like they got here on vacation. It was the first thing that they, they got as soon as they got off the plane was like three pairs of elephant pants and boom, good to go. But they're, they're so ubiquitous here. Everyone has, and when we found them, when we found them on uh, Amazon too, I was like, "Wow, pe even people sell these in America." Right. <laughs> it, it's one of those things. But see, it, it's one of those good things to have because somebody goes on vacation, buys them, and then they're like, "Oh, I ripped a pair!" Right, a few months later or something like that. Like, "Oh, I really want these." Or convenient yeah. for yoga, plot, you know, any of that kind of thing. But I wonder. I am curious though. I need. I haven't looked at all the historical data because I can look that up as well. But uh, I want to see where their sell through hits. Like, is it? literally seasonal summer or is it a year-round product because again is it a great christmas gift is it a great thing to buy in the spring is it you know what i mean so if someone gave me elephant pants for christmas i'd be pissed not if they were made with real elephant not yet not if they're made with real elephant well then that's i mean you should have served that for dinner then right exactly <laughs> i use the tusks as my chopsticks <laughs> So I forget. I saw some like TV show or movie once where a guy was talking about uh, 
making chopsticks from like the breastplates of like endangered animals. I was like, this is just like the most diabolical guy. Seriously. Like what? Actually, there's a ivory is a big item in Asia, right? So we we see uh we we see a bunch of people who are out there uh selling ivory still and also you know a lot of it gets inspected just because there there's still ivory that's legal to sell that comes from like the 1930s or something. Right. That's that's crazy. You know, and I, I always find that a little strange. Like when you find like, damn, there's people really selling ivory, like stuff that you know is like straight up illegal. Right. And they don't care though because it's money, man. They're they, it's all about the all money dollar or the. I, I met a guy maybe two years ago in Kuala Lumpur who works for the um what is it in the U.S. the DEA. And he was out in Kuala Lumpur training uh, park rangers. And he was going to Bangkok next on, like, uh, special tactics, like, you know, investigative tactics, but also combat tactics. So, I guess animal poaching and animal smuggling far outweighs drug smuggling. Really? Yeah. So, people are, like, like gibbons and, like, all types of crazy stuff they're smuggling. And, you know, business opportunity, Josh, if you're interested when you're out here. Right. Pick up a couple of elephants. I had to give it in your butt. That won't hurt at all. Not at all. But yeah, there's um, it, it's an interesting thing to think about is the animal smuggling and, and the way people do that. So definitely strange. Um, so let's let's get back to the business growth though, because I want to talk with you about what you're doing as far as you're looking at sourcing out here and you're expecting these items to be replenishable right so what, what's your timetable on these let's say you come out here and you buy a thousand inhalers what's your sell-through expectations so that honestly a lot of that's going to come from the historical data that we find out right so because yeah. these inhalers aren't you know they weren't just invented like a couple weeks ago we're not gonna be first on the market or you know <laughs> anything yeah, like that super popular in the u.s though they are though, like, cause I, you know, they're, they're at every checkout register, you know, but it's like the VIX ones, you know what I mean? Yeah. And stuff like that. Completely different. Right. So, but at the same time, there, there's still that market, you know, it's why earth fair and whole foods are popular, Yeah. you know, like all that fills into it. So, but that, that's the nice thing that, that I keep, always keep going back to with Amazon. There's a program or websites and everything that show you all the questions you have. So it will break down like, and, and a lot of times you'll, you'll look at a specific product, right? So like comparing that to even the VIX probably isn't the best idea, but it gives you an idea of when that product is selling, yeah. you know? So maybe, maybe it's only a winter thing, yeah. you know, like cold season, right? But you know, if, you know, the peppermint ones, I think they use them so much in Asia because it's hot and it, it, the peppermint gives a cooling feeling. Okay. I'm going to throw a, a link in the chat. This is a, a video on my channel this is actually an excerpt from a conversation i had with uh american entrepreneur mj johnson who's out here looking at at business and one of the things that he, he actually asked me during our our podcast how do you evaluate opportunities as they come up right so uh what we look at as far as how do i evaluate opportunities and you know jib and i run our businesses sort of like one unit so you know, we're evaluating from multiple angles and multiple perspectives. And really, it comes down to 
fit viability and sustainability fit viability sustainability and i think right now with your expansion when we're looking at the sourcing here in thailand and kind of doing like the import export thing we understand the fit right and i think we're at the viability stage with each item yeah and the sustainability will come once we start to see you know what are the sell-through rates if we do if we send you back with 20 items this time right and you start to see like, oh, this sold quick, but then all of a sudden we can't get it or we can't get it back to the States. Right. Right. That's going to be an issue. Right. So maybe that's not a sustainable item or maybe we have an item that doesn't sell, but is always available, you know? Right. And and some, unfortunately, supply chain issues are very real in this part of the world. um, And they're sort of accepted. Like even if you go to a, even if you go to a, uh, uh, another country i mean into a restaurant and they don't have beef today right like oh the supplier just didn't have any so you know we just don't have it so that's accepted thing and you kind of have to figure out okay what what are the what is the what is our tolerance or what is the market's tolerance for inavailability and can someone else swoop in and and take us down as that comes up yeah, see, it'll be interesting because the other thing I wonder, like, so is everything you're looking at made in Thailand? Uh, no, most of it's not made in. Well, so some of these, the inhalers are the the elephant pants are uh, some of the other stuff that that we've discussed is. I don't know if the peppermint inhalers are. They might come from China. See, and that's the thing too, like finding you know that that goes into the other side of business. What I don't know as well. Of okay, here's the product I have. I want it cheaper. I don't care where it comes from, right? (laughs) Now, quality, like we talked about, you know, last week, like it quality is really where then your problem comes into play as well. Well, that's if you're having stuff made. I think I told the the story of uh, my boy who got the uh, the coffee mugs made, and none of them had like some lip to catch drips. Which again, I I don't know what he's doing to his coffee cup because I don't, I'd never have coffee dripping on the side of my, yeah, right? Is he just like splashing on his face? Oh, oh ah, ah. yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know how he's drinking coffee, but I've never had coffee just drip down the side of the cup. No. And he thought that this was a huge problem people wanted solved. Well, as well, take it back, right? So at home, this has never happened. The the crappy cups from a gas station, absolutely, it's dripped down, right? But, yeah, but those aren't ceramic cups. They're, right, like they're, cups. they're not going to have like these high end cups for you, like, right? Here's here's your coffee. I, I, a little I, tray. I my coffee out of a, a mason jar, and I, I have no drips. You know, the <laughs> other we have another a uh, couple other coffee cups, but the one Jib uses every day is just a a glass cup from IKEA. Right. Never has a drip, right? That's like a dollar cup. If that dollar cup never has a drip, I, I don't know why he thinks a twenty dollar mug with a little lit, a little <laughs> channel around the lip is going to be amazing. It is, he, man. He thought that uh, this was a huge problem. That he's like, dude, everyone drinks coffee. This is a huge issue. I was like, are you sure this is a huge issue? Have you talked to people? Because I don't know anyone this happens to. He's like, oh, trust me, trust me, trust me. I know a guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's uh he was one of those guys nice kid but he, he definitely always thought he knew more than people he was talking to about things i got you i remember when he came out here he wanted to be a filmmaker and uh the first time he came out 
He said, I want to buy a camera in Asia, dude. They're so cheap there. I was like, no, and cameras are one of the things that are super cheap in America compared to here. Like, especially in Thailand and Southeast Asian countries, you're going to pay a premium. If you go to Hong Kong or Japan, you'll get a good deal, but you're not. You're coming to Thailand. It's like, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I was like, I literally own three cameras. I, I know what I'm talking about. You got here and everything was double the price of the U.S. You're like, or not, not double, like 30% higher. It's like, oh my God, it's so expensive here. You didn't tell me this. But <laughs> if, if only you had read our conversations previously. That's amazing. <laughs> so trust experts. There's a reason that you talk to experts and you pay experts, right? If they tell you something, listen to them. Exactly. Um, lo- local knowledge is key. And that's that's one of the things that, that we definitely have to dive into is, you know, not just I've got a fair amount of connections here and stuff, but like the local knowledge of some of the other people in my network. Uh, Jay Such Dave, who you saw on um, on my uh, podcast, on one of the videos I put out, conversation with him. He, he has just a ton of connections. Obviously, Jib has got a bunch of business connections. And then just the ability with your background and how you hustle. I know that we're just going to be going out to suppliers and you're going to be like, hey, what do you guys, what, what can you do for me? Hey. What do you, what do you got? Yeah. I can, can you help a boy out? I'll, yeah, I'll give you a dollar. I'll take all your advocates off your hands. Yeah, I'm still mad about that. I am too. Dude. Like, it, it wasn't even in the description. Like it was, a, you know. I, I got to tell this story. So Josh loves to sell old stuff. Josh <laughs> And Josh does really good selling old stuff. And I was like, dude, the advocates. And I saw this ad on Facebook. So Facebook Marketplace in Thailand is like 50 advocates. And they were listed as free. It literally just said free. And they were old. They were cruddy. You could tell they came from some, like, uh, in Thailand, they have uh, Chinese schools, right? So um, it probably came from one of these older Chinese schools where, like, uh, they, those are the schools usually in the area where there are a lot of Chinese immigrants and they'll send their kids to these schools, like Chinese temple schools. So the uh, they were listed for free. And I was like, dude, could you sell these? And I just sort of snapshot it and I sent it to him. And he was like, yes, I could sell those all day. And he went and did some research. And what you sound, some of them were selling for hundreds of dollars, right, Josh? Uh, like based on what you had and the pictures we had to go off of, each of those should have um, netted at least a net profit of $200 each after shipping. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, yeah, that's a very good deal. Let me Let me contact the seller, see if these are available. And if he's really just giving them away, I'll just go pick them up. I'll just go get them. And I'll keep them until you get out here. And you even waited. I kept harassing you because you were getting ready to move. Yeah. And so I'm like, you're like, I don't have the room for them yet. We're moving. I'm like, okay. So I I sent, uh, I messaged the guy. He doesn't respond. So I asked Jib. Jib writes him in Thai. And he writes back. And I think he wanted like the equivalent of a hundred US dollars each for these. Yeah, and I mean they—they've been sitting outside. They're covered in dirt. The photos were not good. We had to put some work in to clean them all. Oh yeah. And I was she she tells me she's like, hey, uh, he wants three thousand baht each for these, like ninety bucks. My like, God damn! It says free on the ad. It says literally right. says free. And there was no like, yeah. This is the thing people do in in Thailand now. They list something as free, so that they don't have to tell you the price. And then when you message them, they're like, oh, this is the price. Obviously, you know it's overpriced if you're too afraid to even put the price out there. So you know it's it's such a common thing here, and then people will be like, "Oh, PM for for message for a price." 
So I was like, oh, we should tell him I want to buy them so I can get his address and I can send some people there. <laughs> I don't even I don't even want to take his abacus. Let him sell them. I just want to get his ass beat. <laughs> no, I just want to break into his house so I can change his listing. Yeah. $100 each. $100. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, that was unfortunate. Josh was so heartbroken. He was like, oh, I, I thought was. we had a gold mine. Because, dude, I was, I was even planning on bringing another suitcase just to bring them back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if they were really were going to, I mean, I'm sure we would have thrown out some of them. Of course, like, right. Yeah, but fix a couple of them. Yeah. But, you know, and, you know, we probably would have lost maybe 10%, 20%. But if they were free, it doesn't matter. Right. It's just time. You know, I can pick them up, throw them down, and on the weekend be like, okay, this is good. This isn't good. This needs to be clean. This one, or maybe we could fix a couple from other ones, you know? But, dude, the, some of those ones that were selling on there for like two, 300 bucks that had that same look as those, they, they were the one I think had actual mold growing on it that sold on eBay. Yeah, there was one that you sent me. It was like $650. That one was crazy, man. And all it had with that different than all the other ones was some writing in the bottom corner of it. Yeah. Which this one had, had some Chinese letters on yep. it and you were like, this, and there was like a metal plate with Chinese characters and you were like, this is going to be amazing. This is the one I can retire. <laughs> <laughs> we got 50 for free. But that, that's a one-off opportunity, though, right? So exactly. we take that, that down. Again, that brings me back full circle to, you know, why I want to source replenishables. Yeah. like Because I'll be completely honest, right? I want my business in that sense, like my strategy with that, right? Grow it into this. Get those items. Start mm -hmm. the replenishable side of the business. And obviously, you can't just let it go on autopilot. Life doesn't work like that, right? But... It's easier to manage once I have the replenishables, we find them. If one start, stops working, we can't source it again, fine, right? Yeah. We'll go find another item. We'll keep going. But then to take that part of my business and only take the select amazing items, because there's, I'll be completely honest with you, there's other items I would love to buy every day, mm -hmm. but I look at the capital as, okay, am I spending $400 cash on this right now to make $1,200 over the course of six to eight months, right? Or... Do we invest that into 400, excuse me, 400 elephant pants, right? Like, <laughs> and that turns into, that's a daily cash flow type of thing yeah. you know, based on historical data or whatever products, right? But, and that's where I hold off and I'm like, okay, I know I can sell, I can sell that one item that may take six to eight months to sell, or I can go buy, you know, a bunch of, you know, toy guns from, you know, Dollar General and flip those faster and even make more money right away, you know? And you get... One of the things that Josh is really great at, if uh, you guys look at Josh's channel, is the penny shopping. Jo Josh is insane with this penny shopping. It's fun, man. Explain to explain to people what that is exactly, Josh. So Dollar General, the way they discount their products, or with a the way they remove their products from the shelves, either when the lifespan's up or it's an older model of something, something like that. They in the system drop the price of the item to one cent. This happens every Tuesday on specific items. Somewhere around Friday or Saturday, the list goes out to the stores. And then Monday, those items are supposed to be pulled from the shelves and neither disposed of, sent back, or back to the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So on Tuesday, though, if you go in and any of those items are left, they're one cent. You scan on the app. You, you literally buy them for a penny. And it's everything from food to toys to clothes, just about anything you could buy in a Dollar General, which if, for those of you who don't know, Dollar General is basically like, a, you know, a convenience store, you know, without the deli. So in Rhode Island, we have one called like a uh, Ocean State job lot type of deal. Right. 
Yeah. So, you know, any of the, like a, a corner convenience store, if you don't know what a Dollar General is, that's basically what it is. And it has everything, right? It, but it has everything with low prices. So it's not like your 7 Eleven where a gallon of milk's $6, mm-hmm. right? A gallon of milk's still only two bucks there. And, you know, then they have coupons and everything else. But it's, it's one of those things like, I feel like I'm going back in time into like an original Kmart or like a Hills, if you even know what those are, right? Like, that's how it feels like that retro feel when you walk into this place and they're not, you know, like I shouldn't say they're not dirty. Some are dirty, right? <laughs> but it has that small town feel to it. I'll be completely honest with you. And then uh, the other day you bought 400, was it $475 worth of stuff for 57 cents? Yep. After tax. After tax. After tax, I spent 57 cents. Already. What? How much of that is sold already? Um, we've made a uh, hundred and eleven dollars already. Off fifty-seven cents. Yep. How much more do you think you'll make from that? Um, because I think she has two more sets of those. Probably another hundred bucks. Because honestly, we the some of it we kept aside for uh just stuff projects I'm working on and stuff for gifts and stuff like that. Because some of it was okay. nice. It was all like photo frames. Yeah. Right. You know, it was all like decent stuff. So like the wife actually, because she has her vinyl business. So she took a bunch of the frames, put in a, a really nice high glossy piece of paper and then printed out vinyl and put it on the paper and sold those off. Okay. That's where she made the initial money off those right away. And then like we sold like one of the horse posters for five bucks, literally cost a penny. <laughs> literally cost a penny. Right. Literally. I was not even joking. Right. Or, I mean, or, or, or you could divide three by 54, three cents mm-hmm. divided by 54. And if you want to go with the actual number of the cost of each item after tax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, <clears throat> 1.1 pennies or something. Right. You know, one, one of the things that I, I thought was really interesting, though, with, with that is like, like how incredulous the uh, staff was. Oh, yeah. This Now, this store, I will tell you, I've I've never actually gotten whoop, whoop. a little cat action. <clears throat> I've never actually been into this store penny shopping before. So they, they have a couple different stores. They have a market, which looks like your standard grocery store. They have your yeah. regular dollar generals and they have what's called a, they call it an NCI or home store. Okay. So in a home store, it usually has more bedding, rugs, things like that. Mm-hmm. And this was out, I'm sure you'll remember the area, but out in Lorraine, Amherst area. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, lose your audio there, Josh. All right, well, Suburban Beard is uh, fixing his audio. Any luck? There we go. Oh, there I don't know go. what just happened. So Lorraine, Lorraine area. So yeah, lower income area. This cat's driving me crazy. Um, and we went in, and yeah, she went on this tangent like it's so sad. We're all a penny. It's so sad. And like, I'm like okay, like what's your problem? Like, <laughs> I didn't say it to her. I'm just super polite. There's like four people in line. She starts getting louder about it. Yeah. Like, you can hear her talking to other people. I guess they were behind you in line. Yep, exactly. He's like, yeah, but all these for a penny. It's like, you know, Oh, you could you leave any for anybody? Like, no, I didn't leave any for anybody else. Should have got here sooner. Should have figured it out. It's not my it's job not to do not. your work. Right. But I, I'm now I know from watching, from reading the comments in some of your videos that, a lot of people get like the stores get upset when people come in penny shopping and find the items. I didn't so, realize that they're supposed to remove the items. Is that yes. how it works? Yeah. So they're supposed to remove the items from the store is what's supposed to happen. Now, but since uh family dollar, dollar general and dollar tree were all sued by the government uh, okay. be, for selling um, expired food and medicine. 
since that's happened, I haven't found any food on the shelves. A lot of other people have, right? Mm. But I, I just, I, they've really hammered down on that with the food stuff. But um, well, the other day you had the, the beans. Yes, yeah, beans and, and some other uh, spices and rice and things like that. I didn't find any of them. Hmm. None of them. So, but the other stuff, I, it sometimes it depends by store. You know, like, you know, people would like lie and be like, oh, you, employees get fired if it happens three times. None of that happens. But at the same time, if in a month, right, like in a month straight, if I'm walking into your store and walking out with, you know, I'm spending a dollar. So I'm getting, you know, a hundred items every week. Like, obviously you're not doing any of your job. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I will say though, like I never, I always make it as clean and as organized as possible because a lot of these stores, there's one person and they have to go and stock shelves and they have the thing on the counter and you squeeze it or you ring the bell and they come running up to help you check out and then they go back to working. Yeah. Like there's not a cashier just sitting up at the front register waiting to check you out. Also, it's a really like minimally staffed. Exactly. And there's usually two people, right? But they'll rotate a shift. Someone's doing the stuff in the back. Someone's running the front and things like that. Like, but I've, I've seen one person there before in a decent wow. sized store. So, you know, that's why I would that's never cool. give them a hard time about it. And, but that's why like, listen, if I'm going through stuff. I'm not leaving a mess. It's not Walmart. Yeah. Walmart. There's no fist fighting. No, no, yeah, it's not like Black no Friday, Friday, right? <clears throat> but yeah, so I mean, how? So you get the list ahead of time somehow, right? Yeah, I know a guy. How do you do that? I know people. So you just you networked your way into Dollar General's inner workings, and now people are sending you the list ahead of time. Exactly. <laughs> You know what to look for going into it because you drop videos telling people what's what's on dollar. Or exactly. On like so, like when there was a big uh, clearance um, over summer, <clears throat> there was uh, like Skittles and stuff like that. So I get the UPC codes with it too, and so okay. I'll put I'll search for the UPC code. So I'll find the image of the actual item, and so I can put up a, I'll put a list on my website of all the items, the what they look like, and what to look for and stuff like that. So those penny shopping videos have been a huge win for you on, on YouTube. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, so your channel kind of blew up because of penny. penny Just shopping. from the pen. Yeah. Just from that. Just from that. And so, so like people really get into it too. I see there's a lot of people posting penny shopping videos now that suburban beard has kind of blown the space up. Right. Like, And I'm one of the small people in the space. That's the crazy part. Yeah. You know, like there's people that there's a couple people that just do Dollar General and they're in that 120,000 subs, 250,000 subs, but just you know, doing Dollar General, just doing that. Now, a lot of them do a, a couple different sides of it, right? So, and that's where I'm I'm looking to broaden my horizon because all my videos were just on reselling and it was boring yeah. to me, right? <laughs> so, that's I was happy to change it, but it's the same. Like, I don't want to do Dollar General videos my whole life, right? So, but I'm explaining, I, I love that hidden clearance game, right? Because to me, what's exciting, like coupons are good because you get a discount, you got to figure it out, stuff like that. But yeah. I love the hunt, man. It's just like when I was selling, like I love sales because of the hunt. And so Dollar General, it's it's an adult treasure hunt. You get to go into the store and find these items for a penny, right? But you got to fight, you got to work for it. It's not easy, yeah. right? We don't play games, right? <laughs> but like, it's the Dollar same with Dollar General Special Forces up in here. Exactly. That's right. They're cashiers, right? They need shirts. Dollar General Special Forces. <laughs> but 
but like it's that's why i love you know the last couple of videos i put out are hidden clearance hmm. and you know yes it's taking your phone going into the store and just scanning but for instance i literally saw a guy buying a laptop when i was in target this this oh. actually under not him because he didn't want to be on film so i respected that but um he was buying a laptop and uh he took it to the price scanner i watched him walk it over to the price scanner and he's like, oh, it's not on sale, but it's 300 bucks. It's still a good deal. I'm like, did you check with the Target app? He's like, for what? I'm like, if it's cheaper. Saved him $80. Really? Target would have charged him 300 in the store. All you do is take that Target app, scan the barcode. On their website, it was $80 cheaper. Wow. And you can get into even more in-depth, right? So you scan it with the Walmart app, see if it's even cheaper. You scan it with Amazon. As long as Amazon's the seller, they'll match that price. So... And so you can start really trying to figure it out. Exactly. And but and a lot of times, believe it or not, you'll find penny. I've found penny deals at Walmart. Really? Like in the like candy aisle, right? Like something that's a dollar. It's a penny. Uh one I, I did I missed out on, I don't know if it was up here. A lady in Georgia was buying um Coke, Coca-Cola, not cocaine, okay. cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh in the glass bottles. Yeah. Scanned it with her Walmart app, it rang up for a penny. Wow. And that's the thing, like, I I don't mind going to a Walmart for three hours and just walking up and down aisles scanning stuff. Yeah, but then you're not making money for those three hours. Yes and no, right? So when I find a price that low, well, I, then, I then scan it with the Amazon app and see if I can send it in and make money on it. <laughs> so if you find something in three hours at Walmart, then yes, you're making money. But how, how many of those trips do you actually find something? I've never not found something. Okay. Every trip. But now at the same time, I, I haven't always found something. There's only been a couple of times where I found something so good that I drove around to the 17 Walmarts within like 50 miles of me. Right. Like, so it, it was that good that I'm like, wow, I'm making stupid money on this. <laughs> what did you find that was that good? Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> you can't share it. They were, uh, one of them was a piece. It was literally just a piece for a paintball gun. Mm -hmm. and it was the cost was two dollars they were selling for 47 uh the other ones were um i don't know if you're familiar with them the happy planners it's like a planner uh spiral bound planner but it's not i shouldn't say it's about it's a disc bound it's called so the paper can literally slide in and out of the disc without ruining the paper and it's a big crafty planners what who still uses planners Listen, I paid a dollar twenty-five for them. I sold each of them for twenty-five dollars within two weeks, and I bought three hundred and eighty of them. What? Yeah. So, so I don't know, but they're a crafty thing. Planners. They have all this specialty paper and different covers you can switch in and out, and stickers, and it's all—it's like a crafts nightmare. But <laughs> you know, I've, I've got an app on my phone. It does the same thing. Oh yeah, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you, but at Happy Planners, if you Google it, I'm telling you, it's a weird little market, but people love it, man. I think it's like it to have stuff, but... Yeah, you know, that's, that's great. That's great. I mean, if people love it, they love it, more power to them. You know, I'm, I'm not going to argue it. It's, and if you're making money off of it, Josh, I'm that much happier for it. Right. You know, I'm glad it exists. <clears throat> at the same time, that's crazy. Right? But see, like, here's how I look at it, though, right? So I'm in that Walmart for some time. And you know, when I started doing this, I wasn't really doing YouTube. Now I use that to keep content for YouTube so I can yeah. make money on both sides of what I'm doing now. 
So it's sure. a whole, you know, it's a whole different ball game. And so then even my drive there, now it's a tax write off. <laughs> yeah, true. If, well, you can deduct the, the you get mile, yep. mile deductions, right? Yep. And then, you know, plus anything I buy is, is a, if I'm reselling it, is a write off. And if I'm there in general, so if I need to eat because I'm filming for YouTube, it's a tax write off because it's a business food. Yeah. So. So do you actually run a business in the U.S. or are you just a sole proprietor, kind of a self-employed guy? LLC is what I have right now. I want um, my ultimate goal is an S-corp where oh, I, I basically just draw a salary and I just keep doing what I'm doing. Okay. That's what I want. You gotta get, so. that, it's a bit of growth to get there. No, it is. Definitely yeah. is. No no doubt about that at all. But that's this is our first step or my first step. Yeah. And then still, you know, making you money. <laughs> so, you know, we don't have uh, in Thailand. We don't. We have something similar to an LLC. Or the, obviously, the legal structures are are different. There's different type of businesses here, but we we also have like a, there's a limited liability corporation equivalent here, and so that that's what I have in Thailand. Okay, but also we have because it's a developing economy. Uh, there's all these different kind of incentives for businesses depending on what areas you fall in. Um, I've, I've had BOI businesses in the past. I call board of investment. I do not have one at the moment. My company is just a regular Thai, Thai business. So you're saying I should start my business in Thailand is what you're telling me. Well, if you have a, actually, I would say if you have a, a tech idea, we should go to Kuala Lumpur and we should try to get into that. Uh, one of those Malaysian development programs. I'm done with that. Way to go. I did a lot of work in Malaysia as we we've talked about in the, you and I have talked about privately. And I, I think the economic development potential in Malaysia, the way that they're supporting new businesses and new startups is amazing. And kale is a great place to live. I mean, the food there is amazing. It's a very modern city. Absolutely fantastic. Better than Singapore, which is super stressful. Is it really? All my Singaporean friends hate me because I don't like Singapore. What? <laughs> But do they like Singapore? That's the trick. <laughs> none of my none of my Singaporean friends love like living in Singapore so much. They're all like, oh, I wish I could live in Bangkok. We're like, yeah, I couldn't really move to Singapore. I find it super stressful. Like, why don't you love Singapore? That's amazing, though. In fact, that's actually, I have friends who live there who are expats living in Singapore who love it. I mean, it's like super safe, super clean. <clears throat> One of the uh, one of the things that I love about uh, Bangkok, though, is that th you do have this feeling like oh, I could get stabbed at any moment. What? <laughs> I could get jumped by a gang of ladyboys. I don't know. Anything could happen. You know, and that that sort of edginess makes Bangkok appealing to a lot of people. Singapore right. has none of that. Like if I if I have bubble gum in my pocket, I'm a felon. Wow. So yeah, gum is illegal in Singapore. You can't even they announce it on the flights. Bubble gum is not allowed in. Chewing gum is not allowed in Singapore. So fly through North Korea, right? Is that what you said? Well, <laughs> actually, no. I was in the airport um, when they killed uh, Kim Jong Un's brother in the airport. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was I was already in my gate. I was uh, taking off, and I guess is they threw sarin gas on him or something, or or some nerve agent, uh, and killed him. Wow. Yeah. So he got assassinated in Malaysia in the. In the budget airport of all places, like, like oh, you didn't uh, get a nice airport. Well, there's two airports, right? There's the main airport, and then there's the second one where like the budget regional airlines fly out of. Out of, because I'm not a baller, I was flying out of the budget regional uh, airline, and uh, 
like I got home and Jib is like, hey, you know, they killed uh, Kim, they assassinated Kim Jong Un's brother at the airport in KL. I was like, oh, wow, it must be. I'm thinking that it's obviously going to be KLA one. He must be flying private. Right. For years and years, the, the rumor was he was living in Macau. Okay. Uh, under the protection of the Chinese government. And I don't know why he was in KL, probably meeting with like U.S. Uh, CIA operatives or something. Maybe that's and, why they killed him. They found out who he was meeting with. Maybe. And uh, there was probably just an opportunity to take him out. But right. apparently like he was getting back by the U.S. and the Chinese. It was like this big thing. But yeah, I was like, well, why was he flying a budget airline? Like, dude, like, <laughs> well, that probably kept him under the radar, right? Like, that's what they usually do in those movies. Yeah, you, it's like flying Jet Blue. If you're flying Jet Blue, you're not under the radar. You know, it's like right. Everybody notices. You want to stay under the radar, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, I, I was like, I was taking an Air Asia flight, which you know, it's like a budget airline around eight flies uh, between different countries in Asia, so. Maybe he would have been on like some Air Asia to Macau flight. I don't know. Right, diverting him. <laughs> diverting him. The more you know. <laughs> Reading <laughs> rainbow. <laughs> or now you know, and knowing's half the battle. Right. <laughs> oh, way off track. Anyway, growing the business. So I think we're we're talking about. We were talking about today a lot of the uh, the growth for the business as far as like what's viable. You know, is this a viable solution? So, you know, and I think we won't really be able to explore sustainability until we get we start actually talking to vendors out here. Right. So I think really the the next step growth wise is just start, I think we have to start brainstorming some ideas and seeing what what sells through because you said you can check all that. Exactly. Yeah, because I take it, and that's the now the biggest part of that is making sure it's the same item, right? Yeah. And that's so all really UPC code to be able to sell it on Amazon. Yes, but it's it's very inexpensive to get your own made. Oh, really? Yes, it is not expensive at all. In all honesty, like I've looked into it before for different things I was doing and stuff like that. Um, so if there's something we like and we want to try it, but I can look it up and because uh, something similar or close to that product will be sold, right? Okay. And so, but yeah, we can make our own. Um, only part you have to look into is the long term. Let's say we find a product that doesn't have a barcode because we're buying it there, right? Mm -hmm. But we can't get in touch with manufacturer in a sense. And we turn around and the manufacturer has a barcode, just doesn't put it on it when he sends it to Thailand. Hmm. But he may have the barcode on if he sends it into Amazon himself, right? So I'm pretty sure that if we start buying elephant pants, there's no barcode for elephant pants. Right. But they, I showed you and I, I sent those screenshots. There's about, you know, 10 or 15 listings. Yeah. Which is good for us, though. Like, especially inside, it's, it's when you're getting down that street of this has never been sold on Amazon before, but it's a product people want, but you have to make sure they can find it on there. Right. So that'll make the biggest difference. If I, if I get out today, I'll take a look and see if the peppermint inhalers have the, the barcode on them, the UPC. So will a Thai barcode scan for for Amazon or a barcode's a barcode. Really? Because as long as it has those numbers, I can even enter it in if you give me the barcode number. You know what I mean? Yeah. And see if it's on there and we can search it and and go from there. Okay. Well, I thought that there was like separate systems for databases and all that. No, well they keep that that's one of those it's an international 
thing. So everything scans the same. Because, I mean, think about it. The scanners would be built differently. Someone would have their own barcode style. Well, I was just thinking, no. So obviously a barcode, the way it works visually is it's just a voids and, and widths, right? So, but what really makes it, you know, scannable is like that database, right? I didn't know that there was an international database of items. So that, that's interesting. And you could take an item from Walmart, say, and scan it at Target, and it would they would ring it up. I do it. I like so when I'm looking at hidden clearance and stuff like that. Or honestly, forget hidden clearance, right? Just I'm buying something for myself. I find it in Target. I'm like, wow, that's a good deal. Mm. I'll scan it with the Walmart app, the Amazon app, and the eBay app, just to see how it's selling across the board. That's how I can find products so fast when I'm uh -huh. doing retail arbitrage. <laughs> Retail arbitrage. That's what they call it. That's the that's the lingo, if you will. Yeah, I remember your boy. Um, his name Bearded Picker. Yep, Bearded Picker. He's got a famous video about uh Monopoly for Millennials. It was awesome, man. That was actually a cool video. He drove. So he, but I mean, it's a little bit, a bit sketchy. That he's driving for like twenty six hours straight. He doesn't care because it, it's you know it's it's money. Yeah, and it's but selling. I mean, he's gonna be tired, right? He was, he was exhausted. He came back and that was, that was why he, so he didn't even see, like he could have sold all of them before he even got home, but he pulled the listing down because he knew that he had to get home, sleep, and then still self ship out 169 of these things on his own. He didn't have enough boxes for him. Didn't have, you know what I mean? So, um, but he still sold the rest out. Like uh, I think within two days after Wow. On top of that, so I think he said he held a few in the video. He said he held a few for uh Christmas, yes, yeah, yeah, because he knew all everyone else was because what happens is right, so something like that gets out. He tells one person, someone tells someone else, you start looking because he didn't hit the whole country, right? Yeah. Other people from Amazon go scanning things and looking for other items, somebody else jumps on it, they'll want to do it too, you know what I mean? And but what happens is then you have the influx. 30 different sellers find this item. They send it all in. Well, now there's a price battle, but then they sell out super cheap. And then there's him or probably somebody else who's just as smart, right? Like, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. Oh, look, mine's $60, not 17. You know, <laughs> you want it before Christmas? Good luck. Yeah, it was a, he was buying them super cheap and, and flipping them like right away for like 80 bucks or something. Yep. 80 bucks a pop. It's and it's crazy. funny, just like history, right? Like, so a friend of mine uh, bought one. He actually found one in a Walmart because oh, he had wow. heard something about it. And he went up there and grabbed it. And he's like, dude, if you can find, like, he gave me the tip. I hadn't even seen his, like, because the bearded picker didn't even have his video out yet, right? So, um, and we went and hit a few of them. And I'm like, oh, you know, but then it's like, you turn around and you're like, hey, that's the guy that did it, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, but then yeah, you still have the people like and it's funny though, because you still have the people that, you know, because YouTube doesn't just show you the newest videos that have come out, right? They'll show you anything in their algorithm. And uh, then you turn around and people are like, oh, I, I went out looking for like the Monopoly for Millennial. Like, dude, that was a year ago, bro. Like, it's, yeah. they're gone. <laughs> That's so old school. <laughs> right. You don't even know. Now it's a, what, what's the newest generation? The kids who are born now called? It's Y, isn't it? No, Y is the millennials. Oh, is it? I don't know then. Maybe it's Gen Z. Oh, is it? Because mine... Um, Gen Z. They made one up. I don't know if you fall... I think you fall into it technically. 
it's a new one they came up with in between Zennials. <clears throat> yeah, well, it's my generation, which is like I fall into this quote unquote category. It's not a real generation, right? But it's in so, between X and millennial. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm the oldest. Right. Okay. So I was born in 78, December 78. And so 78 is the first chunk of Zennials. And I think it goes to like 82 or 84. Yeah, because I was I'm 81. So I knew I was like in the middle of it. Yeah. So um it, it makes sense because I actually had this conversation with my friend Justin that because he did a he he runs a hip hop channel called The Company Man. He did a, a great video about uh millennials, the hardest generation. Uh it's kind of funny, but one of the things to uh when I think about it is a lot of Gen Xers, little older Gen Xers are not very like tech savvy uh, to, to the same extent. Right. And yep. not all of them, obviously you can't make a blanket statement unless you're talking about boomers, but you know, so there's a lot of things about Gen X generation that I don't relate to because I'm on the, I was born in December 78. So essentially 79 and uh, I'm, I'm like right on the, the cusp of that, 1980s type of era that millennial era but i'm not i definitely don't relate to a lot of things from millennials because of how i grew up and, right. and the differences so well, as i said we were young enough to enjoy yeah. childhood without technology but old enough to in learn technology before it mattered yeah so like yeah I, I had my first computer in junior high i learned to yep. program in junior high uh got in trouble for my first hack in junior high you know so it's when whitehouse.com was not owned by the government <laughs> i wish i would yeah yeah when whitehouse.com i remember that those days oh yeah yeah so there are there are definitely aspects to that like yeah so i i didn't grow up i'm not a digital native i didn't grow up with with the internet you know it came in like in junior high Right. Like I'm waiting for like that fall of like the Wi-Fi, like that TV show came out where all the power stopped. You know what I mean? Like, oh uh, yeah. Revolution or like 50% of the something. society would just shut down. I watched the first season of that show. I always find that kind of post-apocalyptic disaster thing. Interesting. I love that stuff, but it, it turned into like a love story, like by the second season. Oh, it did. Like, and then like, then you found out like they had started it on purpose and, but they were the ones causing like, you know, the biggest complainers about it. Like <laughs> and then some guy became like an AI, like uh like zombie or something. Yeah. Like, uh, it just, okay. Thanks guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good. Anyway, Josh, we've been going just over an hour and my neighbors are about to start construction. Oh, that's right. They're not supposed to start till nine, but their, their damn contractors start hammering at eight. Oh, there and and uh put them in their place because they know i'm supposed to record i do broadcast until nine so uh just the go the water on be the be the wet bandits the, the other day they were jackhammering at like 8 30 what that, was like, that's absurd dude oh, that's just abs it's not even absurd so like, literally i'm like <laughs> i'm downstairs and in jib i was upstairs jib's downstairs and I go down to the studio so I can go outside. And she's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? I'm like, the jackhammer, and I'm going to stop it. She's like, let me just tell the owners of the house what's <laughs> going on. Like, and they'll call the contract. She's like, no, this must be dealt with. This must be. 
giant American dude with a beard was over there. <laughs> Take my shirt off, all my tattoos show. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When I first saw that shirt, I'm like, did you get a new tattoo on your chest? I was, <laughs> I was like, why would you get dome on? I'm like, oh, wait, never mind. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a shirt. <laughs> Yeah, I have all the I have all these tie tattoos on my chest, and then a big domo underneath, <laughs> hiding the domo. Domo smash. <laughs> domo smash. Anyway, so before they get started, Josh, let's uh, let's wrap it up, guys. Uh, I'll throw Josh's channel links down in the show notes. Go check him out, especially if you're interested in reselling in that kind of small business, micro business hustle, because Josh lives that every day, and he's tweeting about, or not tweeting about, YouTubing about you know, the challenges and sort of like the opportunities that you find, especially with the penny shopping. And it's a lot of really fun content of him getting yelled at by, by people in the dollar general store about how, how can you buy 57 things for a penny? You know, so there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And then on my channel, uh, we just, I just dropped the uh, $100 startup book summary, which is one of my favorite startup books of all time. Go check that out. I got to pick that up. Uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty fun uh, video. And definitely, I read that book eight years ago for the first time. And even having started tech companies that were significantly larger, still one of the most influential books to me. So definitely something to check out. And again, this will be on podcasts as well. So you'll be able to find it on Spotify, iTunes, which finally accepted us. I, I convinced them that uh, Josh was not the Apple hater they think he is. Yes, I am. And Josh is a Huawei guy. So if the DOD is listening, Josh loves Huawei. <laughs> and uh, also, you know, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you can find podcasts, you'll be able to find this there tomorrow. Until next time, guys, see you later. <laughs>